You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. God can bring to life any place that's been dead. He can bring you back to life from any place where you feel lifeless. If you know who Christ is, then you have the greatest power available to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Savior, the power of the resurrection. The Apostle Paul said the same power that caused Christ to rise from the dead can dwell where? Does anybody know? In our mortal bodies. So what would happen if we had one of these that could be spiritual? We can listen to your heart. Actually, we would listen to see if Christ was inside of you. You hear Christ in there? Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Apostle Paul says. Now, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you're going to want to go to Galatians chapter 2. I know some of you are itching to go there. We're going to start in Ephesians in just a moment. But as we begin this series, my hope and prayer is that you will have signs of the life of Christ in you by the time we're done. Actually, don't wait till we're done. Start today. Where Christ lives in you. I, I defined CPR last week. Does anybody remember CPR? Christ. Good, thanks for listening last week. I feel so encouraged. Christ performs resurrections. And it's not just CPR as important as it is. We revive people who have lost their lives. But remember last week, Jesus in John 10, if you were with us, he said, I come to give you life and life more abundant. And who was he speaking to? He was speaking to people who were already physically alive. Kind of an odd statement. I come to give you life when they were already living. I come to give you life more abundant. I'm a good shepherd, not a bad shepherd. The bad shepherd comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know who the bad shepherd is, don't we? Oh, Satan. Yeah. And sometimes it's us. Where we push away the things that God wants to give us. How many times have we embraced insecurity when Christ wants us to be secure in Him? How many times have we doubted the word of Christ when He says, You can do it. I will give you strength. You can do all things through me. And then we say, I don't think so. Maybe you've never been like, I've been there. Have you ever been there? Come on. Or you say things like this, I can't trust the Lord with my future. And all of heaven says, are you kidding me? Don't you know that God knows more than you know? That his ways are beyond your ways, as Isaiah the prophet said. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This is a God that doesn't go to a counselor or a psychiatrist. He takes no medication. This is a God who is always alive. He's the ever-present now. He is our refuge and strength in time of trouble. And yet sometimes, maybe not you, so let me confess myself. Sometimes I pretend as though I know more than he does. Let me tell you what the result of that is. Trouble. God, I I know more than you. And all the angels are like saying, oh, they're selling popcorn. Let's watch this. Oh, man. There's Bernie again doing his own thing. Rather than trusting in the Lord with all his heart and leaning not on his own understanding and embracing life more 
abundant. Do you know that when people actually go to the doctor, they actually try to calm themselves down? Newsweek article, I had an article on doctors. Did you know that, you wouldn't know this, but did you know that people actually lie to their doctor? <laughs> when, they're, when they're listening, oh Lord, let me calm myself down. Um, I'm, breathe in. And we say things like, um, I've been exercising a lot. No burgers, no fatty food, no fried foods, no sugary beverages, your honor. <laughs> you know that in this Newsweek article I read that doctors actually know that people lie more than they tell the truth. This one doctor, true story, he asked one of his patients, if they actually quit smoking. And she said, yes, I have. He looked down at her purse and he saw a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> he said, and I know, those are for your friend. <laughs> and she said, <clears throat> I've actually quit. <laughs> but how many times have we been dishonest with God? I love what David said. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Wouldn't it be great, just, just a question, wouldn't it be great if we asked the Lord to search us and expose our anxiety, our worry, our wicked way, our thoughts that are untrue, our, our, the belief we have of lies sometimes that we hold so dear. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, I, I want you in Galatians 2, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, we have this great passage, and I love when you read, so let's read together. Ready, go. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace, it is by grace you have been saved. I love those three words, he made us alive. In other words, when Jesus said in John 10, I come to give you life, he takes people that are alive but living a way of life called death. Carl, in his monologue last week, referred to Jesus when he talked about whitewashed tombs. You can go to the cemetery and you can paint the tomb with some new paint. You could even get the latest uh, Joanna Gaines fixer-upper decor and put it around a tomb. And you know what you'd say? Oh, there's life here. And you go, are you crazy? See, we can dress ourselves up. We can adorn ourselves. But only Christ can make us alive. Now, consider with me, if you would, an acorn. We know about these acorns. And unless an acorn fall to the ground, Jesus even told this parable, and unless an acorn fall to the ground and actually die from what it was before when it was connected to the oak tree, it can never become a new tree. But if it gets the right kind of soil, the right kind of sunlight and nutrients, it will send a tap root down, which is that center root there, and it will find the nutrients that it needs. And it will grow. And then all the roots on the side will come off the tap root, and they will also then provide moisture and nutrients for the main tap root. But if there is no main tap root in the center going down, the acorn never has a chance of survival. It will not live. 
That's why I love what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. And let's read this one too. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And when I read that verse... I was just overwhelmed again, and I read it again, and again, and again, and again, that it's up to me to be rooted and established in the love that God has given to me, and then if you back up, Diane, you will see that it's his power, that when I'm rooted in him and established in him, that I have power, and notice it's power not just personally, but in community, together with all the Lord's holy people, gatherings like this, small group gatherings. Gatherings and Bible studies together, going on bike rides with friends, doing the Daniel plan with somebody, doing Financial Peace University with people that's coming up as well, being on teams together, whatever it might be, that we live in community because the Lord's established us in his love. And it's there that we find how deep and wide and how vast this lavish love for, for, for us that God has in our lives. But every day in our notes, we get to choose what we will be rooted in. Every day. You're going to be rooted in you, you're going to be rooted in your past, you're going to be rooted in lies, you're going to be rooted in the, in the truth of the scriptures that is the guide for our life. I said this last week and I want to say it again that Jesus will make your life better and he will make you better at life. Just imagine people, just, just imagine for a moment, if young people, students, boys and girls were filled with the fullness of God. Just imagine if parents were filled with the fullness of God. Just imagine if husbands and wives were filled with the fullness of God. Could you imagine, men, if you're married, could you imagine you being rooted and established in the love of God and the love just oozed out of you? Your wife would come crawling to you every night. That's all I'm saying about that. Could you imagine all of us, single, married, young, old, if we were filled with the fullness of the measure of God, that when people bumped into us, we oozed out the love of God from us, and how we spoke, and how we act, and how we affirmed, and how we were generous, and how we blessed, and how we were willing to pray for people, and hug people, and love people that were unlovely. What would it be like? I mean, could you imagine a church? By the way, there would be no empty seats here if that was us. Because people are still looking for an authentic representation of the love of Christ. People are desperate in our world to be loved. I know people out on the base where I serve as an honorary commander. I, I know people in our community. I serve as a chaplain for the police and fire department. Many of you know that. I, I, I hang out in the community a lot. And here's what I find. The lostness of humanity. People are longing to be loved, longing to be recognized, longing to be affirmed. In Bible times, when, when, when Paul wrote this passage to Ephesus about being rooted and established in love, he wrote to a very young church. And it was at a time where Alexander the Great built this incredible amphitheater, 25,000 seats. Think about it. 250,000 people in Ephesus, the most 
a technologically advanced community in the world. And when you left this amphitheater after listening to a concert or watching a drama presentation or listening to the propaganda about the Greek way of life, that there are many gods, not just one, that you could look out over the mall. This is called marketing in the first century. And right outside the mall, if you were seated out there, you would look out and you would be able to see the barbecues, the clothing stores, the furniture stores, the swap meets. It's kind of like farmer's market on Friday night in Lompoc or Thursday night in San Luis Obispo. Everything was there. And they were trying to get you to buy this stuff as you walked back to your horse or your chariot or your wagon or just walked on foot to home. And the kid, they knew the kids would get you, Mommy, can we have that? Daddy, can we buy that? You know, they were marketing. And it was Alexander the Great's philosophy that if we could just get the people to embrace the culture and the Greek way of life, we don't have to get them to focus on Christ. Has anything changed? The world's still trying to get us to be formed into its mold and to follow its way and to buy its stuff with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. So here's a question. It's a homework assignment for you. I'll give it to you now because in a few minutes you might tune out on me. So question, what am I rooted and established in? And if you really want to grow deep and strong in the life that Christ provides for us, then I want you to ask this question this week of yourself several times. Actually, if you do it every day, it will get you. What do I choose to be rooted in today? What do I choose my life, my family, my career, my future, my finances, my goals, my dreams, my ambitions to be established in today? What do I choose How do I choose? Who will be first? Who will be last? So now in the book of Galatians chapter 2, it's been uh, 17 years since the Apostle Paul had come to know Christ. Remember on the Damascus Road, he has this incredible experience with Jesus as Jesus speaks to him through the power of the Holy Spirit in the noonday sun. And he says, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting me? And with that, the Apostle Paul falls on his face and gives his life to the Lord Jesus Christ and follows after him. And it's during this time he wants to make sure now, 17 years later, that his preaching is correct. He wants his theology to be judged. And in Genesis 2, verse 6, he said, I had nothing to add to what I was preaching. In other words, I put my theology under the scrutiny of the leaders of the day. And they said, don't change a thing. Well, he and Peter, remember Peter, right? Remember Simon Peter becomes Peter. And Peter and Paul have this confrontation where Peter says, unless you worship Jesus Christ and follow Jewish tradition, you can't be saved. We would call it today Jesus plus theology. Jesus plus you, you, you can't smoke, chew, and go with those who do, right? Come on. Jesus plus and you can't play rock and roll in the park. Come on. Jesus plus and you can't have long hair. Sorry, Matt. 
Jesus, Jesus plus and ladies can't wear pants. There's a church within walking distance of here. You can't wear pants if you go to their church, ladies. There's other churches that believe if you don't speak in tongues after you're saved, you're not really saved. Now, while I believe in all of the spiritual gifts, including tongues, it's not a sign of salvation. And there are churches that actually, if you are saved, if you come to Christ, then, then you will speak in other tongues in your heavenly language. There are some churches who say, oh, if you are a Christian, you can't own a TV set. And it's ironic to me, the pastor always has one, but the people cannot. The pastor needs to watch CNN to know about current events. Sorry, I'm not judging, it's just true. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Our faith in the finished work of the cross, in the belief of Good Friday, in the belief of Easter, that's what saves us. And there are people all the time who will say, well, you know, what, what do I need to do to really thrive, not just survive? And we'll have conferences and conventions, I'll sell t-shirts, we'll buy the CDs, we'll get the video, come on. And it usually ends up being a notebook on a shelf rather than something that's a part of your life. And I'm all for retreats. I did kids' camps for years. My wife and I ran third and fourth and fifth and sixth grade and junior high camps and senior high camps. 500 kids we would have. We'd give four to five weeks every summer. That was our vacation. We'd go spend it with 500 kids. Oh. Oh, it'll be 25, 30, and 40 again. Yeah. But Galatians 2 20 and 21 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Now, if you don't get another thing out of this message, please hear this. This is God's word. Paul is saying, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer what? But what? Christ. Do you want to ever stop there? I read this verse 49 or 50 times this week, and every time I read it, I got something else out of it. See, when we go to read the Bible, the Bible ends up reading us. I have died to myself. I no longer live, which means what? I'm dead. So I got rid of Bernie, and I let Christ come and be inside of me. And I stopped and asked myself the question, when was the last time Bernie tried to resurrect himself? Oh, really? Romans 12, present yourself a living sacrifice. The problem with living sacrifices, they keep crawling off the altar. Oh, yes, Lord, I surrender all to you. Well, almost everything. Everything on Sunday, but not on Tuesday. Come on. Peter was caught up in Jewish tradition. You've got to have Purim and Hanukkah and Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. You've got to sing the song, dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay. You gotta light the menorah, dance the horror. Come on! I was raised in that Jewish faith, and I love it, and I respect it, and I honor it. But it can't save you. Tradition can't save you. Religion can't save you. And I love stained glass windows, but stained glass can't save you. And we were gonna put in here when we built this, it was too expensive. <laughs> Someone said, Why didn't you get pews instead of chairs? These pews are more spiritual. Are you kidding me? These have more padding, and they're wider. 
No comment. I live by faith where? In the Son of God who? And gave himself for me. Do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. In other words, if you could save yourself, then why did Jesus have to die? You know how many people would say this kind of phrase to me when somebody dies? When I officiate a funeral? Do you think they made peace with their maker? Made? You can't make peace with your maker. You can accept his peace, the peace of God, and peace with God through Jesus Christ. When people say make, it's almost like we created. Or somebody said to me, in this building, their friend had just been eulogized. We had a picture of them here and all their memorabilia on a table and all the stuff you got to do. And then you go outside and pick up cigarette butts in the parking lot. Sorry, that's what you do after funerals. I'm letting you in on a secret. You think they were good enough to go to heaven? Was the question. What would you have said? You're the pastor. I said, no. Oh, how comforting. I said, but let me explain. No one's good enough. If God is pure, eternal, if, if, if God is the God of the universe, the creator, if he's the shepherd and we're the sheep, the, the creator, we're the creature, no one's good enough. But, but, but. If they had faith in Jesus Christ, who is the righteousness of God, then guess what? Good news. They are good enough then because they're in Christ. In Christ we are saved. That's why I encourage you. Number one, you look at the outline and going, there's no way he's going to get to the park on time. <laughs> Life through Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We have to put to death the things that I desire and surrender to the life that God has for me. Lord, not my will be done, but yours be done. You ever heard that? Jesus said it. C.S. Lewis, incredible author and, of course, Oxford professor, he wrote these words. The real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals, and the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them back, in listening to that other voice, in taking that other point of view, in letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on and so on all day long. It is living in the moment by the moment. In other words, every moment we have to choose Christ. When anger comes, we have to choose Christ. When selfishness comes, we have to choose Christ. I met a dear gentleman uh, last week. He hadn't been to church in a while, and, and he stopped me at the buffet line. And it wasn't that a buffet. Come on now. He stopped me, and he said, Pastor B, I... I, I, I I started drinking again, and I've been sober a long time, and I'm really embarrassed. And I said, oh, no, no, come here, come here. I gave him a little hug and said a quick prayer with him. And then I said something like, one day at a time, my friend. One day at a time. He said, Pastor B, are you kidding me? One, one hour at a time. 
to which his friend next to him, who's also in recovery, said these words, one minute at a time. To which his friend on the other side said, one second at a time. And I said, you know what? You got it right. Every second, every, every nanosecond, I have to choose Christ or I will end up choosing me. I will start resurrecting myself. I have to live my life by Christ. Number two, I have a life that's lived by faith. By faith. Faith is confident belief. It's complete trust. It's confidence in a person, an idea, or a thing. It's saying, I will trust you for my future, God, no matter what I see today. No matter what my company looks like right now. No matter what the economy looks like right now. No matter what the prognosis looks like right now. I'm still going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in Christ because I'm going to live by faith, not by sight. And I know it's easy to say. In Galatians 2.20, he said, The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. So after you pray, Christ lived through me, what usually happens? Not much. Jesus, I give you my life. What usually happens? Not much. But when you make conscious decisions, Christ, I want you to live in me today. And then when you are challenged with other thoughts or other ways you could live, where you stop and say, I choose Christ. I choose Christ. See, to grow is to live by faith and to move in faith, to trust God for all things. I love all these songs we sing lately. I got Christian radio. I got the, you know, XM in my car, and I listen to the message. The message. K-Love, K-Life. Anybody else? Pandora, Christian stuff. You feel your brain. Isn't it great? And I listen to songs like, you make me brave. Then I get out of my car. And I see somebody in front of me that I really don't want to see. (laughs) Or we sing songs about, you know, remember that old song, break my heart with what breaks yours. What a dumb song. (laughs) Unless, unless it becomes a brilliant song, if that's really our prayer, God, Break my heart with the loneliness of people. Break my heart with the brokenness of people. Break my heart with the impoverished. Break my heart with those who are being victimized today or or persecuted for for their faith. Break my heart with, with those who are involved in human trafficking. Against their will, they're taken. Or children who are exploited. Or women and children around the world who are being abused simply because they're female. God, break my heart with what break yours. Then it becomes a prayer. It becomes a brilliant song. Otherwise, it's just a song. Or the t-shirt. I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. And the gal wearing it is like the most negative person I've ever met. I went to Southside Coffee Shop, a great place, by the way. I love their coffee. And and I walk in there, and there's two women in there who are just bickering about their church. And they're speaking loud enough that I could hear them with drummer's ears as I walk by. And I lean in. I'm serious. This is so much fun being me sometimes. I lean in, and I I say, it's a great day, isn't it? Well, they're complaining about their pastor, who's a friend of mine. 
And I said, Lord, I'm so glad they don't go to my church. <laughs> Sorry. As I walked to the counter and got my cup so I could have some Lompoc Blast. Oh, it's good. <laughs> like caffeine, you know, like 40 shots in your cup. It's just, hey, the best part of waking up is caffeine in your cup. Come on. And, and there I am. And there I am. I said, it's a great day. Now they're bickering about me. And no joke, folks, both of them had their Bibles and their devotional book. They were doing their devotions together. And then once they closed the book, they said, okay, that's done. Now let's rip on our pastor and our church. I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. No, you don't. You want to tear down everything. You don't want to live by faith or by grace. You want to live by you. And I've been there before. I'm not judging these women. I'm just glad they don't go to my church. When Jesus lives through me, I'm capable of doing more than I ever could have on my own. I'm capable of zipping it when I want to say something. I'm capable of loving the unlovely. I'm capable of being a better husband to my wife, a better dad to my kids, a better grandfather to my grandchildren, a better pastor to you, a better chaplain, a better honorary commander, whatever it is that I've got on my plate. When Christ empowers you, he gives you gifts of the Spirit. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where all of a sudden you said something so brilliant it amazed yourself? Have you? No, have you? Have you, parents, have you ever been talking to your kids and all of a sudden this wisdom came out from you and you know you're not smart enough to say it? I've stood here before and go, oh Lord, you're so good to me. You just brought that thought to my mind. Or that illustration, I'm going, it's so great. And somebody will say out in front, that's a really good sermon today, Pastor. And I'm going, if you only knew what you would have got if God didn't show up. <laughs> it would be worse. Pastor, how could it be any worse? I know what you're thinking. See, God empowers us to do what we can't do by ourselves. Only if we're willing to say, our life is in Christ, empowered by Him. If you live by your feelings, you will be doomed. Do you ever think about the farmer in the morning who plants stuff that you'll later eat? You know, broccoli and celery and onions and puts potatoes in the ground or carrots or lettuce. Come on. Do you think the farmer every single day wakes up and goes, oh, great, I get to plant again? The last service we had, this row here was filled with people who raised cattle. And I said, do you, do you, do you think the, the cattle ranchers want to go out and feed the heifers every morning? And they're all shaking their head, no. <laughs> you think they want to shuffle, shovel the, the poo every day? Or grow the hay so they could then put the hooks in the hay and take the bales and feed the... No. But they know if they don't, they'll never have a harvest. The farmer knows they'll never have a harvest. And sometimes God will call you to make a sacrifice when you don't feel like it because he wants you to be able to have a harvest. And I know that those times where you're most distracted, that you're most tired, that that you have the most on your plate and these God-given divine moments come in front of you, 
Like, like recently, I was leaving an event, and I was on my way to my car because I was going to go meet my family and grab a bite to eat together, and, and I'm always late. There's always something comes up, and here comes this person. And I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this. Please, don't judge me. I'm just going to be honest. I didn't feel like being nice in that moment. You ever had a moment where you didn't feel like being nice? You wanted to go home, close the blinds, turn off your phone, and take a nap. You ever had those moments? Come on. And there I was. I wanted that moment. And, and this guy walks up to me and says, Pastor Bernie, you got a moment? And I know some of you are really good at this. No. And I've read laws of leadership. You have to be able to say no. No is the hardest word. And, and exactly the way it went down, he goes, listen, I've been questioning my faith. Can you talk to me about God? And what am I going to tell him? No. I don't want to be nice right now. You know? My, my wife wants to get a taco. I got to go. I mean, she's so gracious. She always understands. And I, I shared for just a few minutes about God's love with this guy. And I was planning when I didn't feel like it. And I'm going to tell you this. I walk out of church on Saturday night, and he's standing out there. He came to church. He had a yes packet. I don't know if he's like, did you get saved? It must have been Carl's monologue. It wasn't my sermon. It must have been, was it the choir? I mean, I, I wanted to know what it was, but, but, he, but there he was, and I would have missed the moment of it. Sorry, I got to go. Listen, look for those divine moments. They're going to be there this week. I promise you, because I just told you this. They're going to be there this week. I love this verse. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm just going to give it to you anyway. Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Those who plant in tears, in other words, you're tired, you don't feel like it, will harvest with shouts of joy. I was joyful. The dude came to church. He's got a yes packet that has a Bible study on it, and a Bible, and a little CD about salvation, about water baptism. I mean, come on. That was so cool. Because they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Don't miss the harvest because you have not died to yourself. Be willing to die to yourself. Irwin McManus says it seems that when God calls us to live by faith with each miracle, he requires more faith. Have you noticed that? The obstacles get higher and higher as we get deeper in Christ. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Living by faith in your notes means moving forward in God's direction, whether I feel like it or not, whether I sense his presence or not. It's always right to do the right thing. It's always right to serve Christ. It's always right, Galatians 2.20, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son, Jesus Christ. Well, Irwin also said this. He's the pastor of Mosaic in Hollywood and Los Angeles. He says, are we too much about us getting fed and too little about us exercising our faith? Don't throw rocks at me. He said it. See, God fills us with faith. We can live the life that he's called us to live. And we, we grow in our faith by exercising our faith. Don't lie to the doctor and say, oh, I, I work out every day, doctor, right? 
Well, well, exercise your faith. So you can say to God, Lord, today I exercise my faith. I could have been angry, but I chose not to. I chose Christ. Last but not least, our life is by grace. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God. You know, as, as Christians get older in Christ, it's easy to get a little stale. It's easy to, to, to become, and I've been there, so I'm not judging. It's, it's easy to become like the two ladies at Southside who start bickering. Well, let's just let's read about the Lord. Good, let's close our Bibles, and let's rip on the church. Could you imagine that? Yeah, I'm usually pretty good for a while after I read some Scripture, you know? These guys were like 30 seconds done, and now they're, right? I do not set aside the grace of God. In other words, I don't become judgmental. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. I'm going to live in grace. I'm going to accept the grace of Christ. See, mercy and grace are gifts from God to me. And he wants me to live in grace and mercy because he's given it to me. See, mercy earned is not really mercy. It would be called a reward. Remember earlier we talked about works? Works can't save you or give you mercy or grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, he says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by, not by works. So you can't boast. Look how awesome I am. No, no, you're supposed to boast in Christ. Look how awesome he is. How accepting he is. How grateful he is. Salvation earned is not a gift. It's a paycheck. He comes to give us this, this free gift of mercy and grace. I got more to say, but your tummies are growling. I can hear it. But I just want to tell you a short story. I was, um, keep talking about coffee, don't I? I was in the other S place for coffee. Not south side, the other one. And uh, I call it four bucks. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I was there and, and uh, a young gal from our church was standing there with her friend. And they had just ordered and I had now just ordered and I round the bend where you get your drinks and they're standing there and I'm standing there and she... She says to her friend, this is my pastor. And she nudges her friend says, why don't you ask him, ask him, ask him. Another moment, I didn't, want, I didn't feel like being nice. Another one. <laughs> ask him, ask him. She's a young girl in high school. And she's dealing with her sexuality. Of course, that's not a conversation you want to have with a minor without their parents present. But before I could say a word, she said to her friend, oh, he's just going to judge me. And I said, why would I judge you? Well, because I'm trying to figure out my sexual journey, and, you know, which bathroom I should use and I'm just going, Lord, this is above my pay grade. <laughs> and I said, listen, if I judged you, I would have to stop and judge me first. 
Because I've done things that I'm ashamed of. I've said things I'm not proud of. And I looked at the girl that goes to LFC and said, and that's why, sweetheart, Jesus died on a cross, right? We're all, we're all sinners who need a Savior. And I said, sweetheart, I don't know your whole story. But I don't, I don't have any judgment for you. Except to say that God made you. And God loves you. Except to say that Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for her and for me, also died for you and salvation is there for you. Except to say, I'm going to keep you in my prayers. And sometimes at night when I go to sleep, I see her face. That's how I remember to pray for her. You think I'm smart enough to remember her face? I can't remember where I left my keys. <laughs> that's, that's the Lord bringing her face to my remembrance. And I pray for her. I pray for the dilemma in her soul. But you know how many people that you will encounter this week that have dilemmas in their soul too? Whether to stay with their wife or leave their wife, whether to, 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 to invest in something or not, whether to cheat, lie, steal, whether to let the enemy come and steal and kill and destroy, or to give their life to Christ. He's going to use you. But he's only going to use you if you're willing to die to yourself and be alive to him. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.